Hi listeners, stories have so much power and so does whoever controls the narrative. It is time that we dissect and analyze these stories. I am Vipul and this is Vogue Tales. Hi everyone. Holiday season is upon us and some of y'all might have already made plans or are in process of making plans. And if you have a significant other, figuring out plans together. Today's story is an Icelandic folktale where two lovers are discussing their plan for Christmas. A story about obsession, even stronger than death. And with me to discuss the story is Rosalba Diaz, who is education and outreach coordinator at a safe place a safe place is an organization which provides services addressing domestic violence and human trafficking in lake county illinois usa hi rosalba welcome to the show hi thank you for having me can you please tell what is a safe place and your role there yeah absolutely so like vipal said my name is rosalba diaz i'm the education and outreach coordinator for a safe place We are the sole provider of services exclusively addressing domestic violence and human trafficking. The human trafficking sector of our agency, we actually just uh, added about three or four years ago um, because we saw such an increase in the cases of human trafficking, not only in Lake County, but with our clients that we were seeing, we saw a lot of cross between going through domestic violence and also human trafficking. We open our doors for men, women, and children. Uh, our services include housing, both uh, transitional and permanent. We have counseling available, children's therapy, art therapy, play therapy. We have uh, support groups. We also have individual counseling, uh, trauma-focused counseling, a variety of different counseling styles to address the trauma that the clients have gone through. We have an office in the Lake County Courthouse uh, for our legal advocacy team that provides orders of protection as well as stalking no contact orders and just getting our clients in touch with lawyers who are able to do pro bono work to help them in their case uh, when they are dealing with a legal matter. We also have crisis services. Not every agency is able to have this, but we are able to have a 24-7 crisis hotline um, with translation services available for those who are of uh, non-native speakers. Um, And also in conjunction with the crisis line, we have our 33-bed emergency shelter, um, which provides home for individuals who are fleeing in an emergency situation um, for up to 90 days. And then by then we're transitioning into a plan of safety into what's the next step. Um, In addition to all of those services, I personally do the prevention and education section of our agency where 
I'm going out to schools, businesses, meeting with law enforcement, judges, to make sure that they're knowledgeable about what is domestic violence, what are those red flags that they're supposed to be picking up on, and how to better serve victims of domestic violence. Um, going into the schools, we're talking about healthy relationships, what to identify if you feel like you're in a toxic relationship, you know, what's that safe touch and non-safe touch? Who is your trusted adult? Who can you go to to talk about something that's making you feel uncomfortable? Our administration office is actually located in Zion, um, but we have over 16 offices throughout Lake County, uh, ranging from Lake Forest, Gurney, um, Grays Lake, and Waukegan and Zion. Um, so. We are scattered to make sure that we're accessible for uh, all of the clients and all of the victims that are fleeing from a domestic violence relationship. I always say that we're kind of the one-stop shop for domestic violence just because we offer so many services in-house to make sure that we're serving our clients to the max with making sure that we're addressing every single crisis that they're having. Well, clearly, Safe Place is doing such an important work, and it's great that there is no physical, language, or financial barrier for anyone to reach you and ask for help. Another great point you mentioned is that you are already reaching out to children to teach them about healthy and unhealthy relationships, and they can have a conscious learning and foundational understanding of domestic violence, abuse, and human trafficking. Because even though it's such an important topic, it can be quite difficult to talk about it, especially with kids. Absolutely. And you know, we do a program called Safe Youth where we focus in a certain district in the Lake County area, starting from kindergarten to high school seniors. The curriculum is specific to, you know, the age and the grade. But it's the message is all of the same. Mm -hmm. Learning what a healthy relationship looks like, how you should feel in that relationship, how you should make your partner feel in that relationship, and just growing in a healthy way. Um, and not only a relationship between an intimate partner, but a friendship, right? When we're mm -hmm. talking about kindergartners, that friendship on the playground with what is okay to do and what is not okay to do. Using simple tactics like smiley faces and colors of what's okay and what's not okay. I love going to the schools because you get to really get in touch with the future of society, right? Because they're the future. Mm -hmm. And getting them to understand that they deserve the best and they deserve the world. And if somebody is making them feel uncomfortable or not really feeling good, then it's okay to speak up for yourself and know who your trusted adult is so that you can get out of that situation before it gets worse. That's amazing. Recognizing signs of comfort and discomfort in a relationship, irrespective of your age and gender, is so important. I'm so glad you and your team are working towards making the society a safer place. Mm -hmm, like exactly. <laughs> so thank you for joining me today. And before I narrate the story, there are two things about Icelandic folklore to keep in mind. First, ghosts often speak in verse, repeating the last word of each line. And second, that they cannot say the word God. And on that note, 
It's story time. Kaoknen au Merka, the deacon of Dark River. Deacon who lived on a farm had a girlfriend named Godrun. She lived on a farm on the other side of the big river. One day the deacon rode his horse to meet Godrun so they could discuss their plans for Christmas. The deacon promised to ride to her on Christmas Eve and bring Godrun to Mirka where they could celebrate the holiday together. But on his way back home that day, Deacon was unexpectedly caught in a heavy storm. He fell into the river where he suffered a severe head injury and drowned. The deacon's body was found the next day by a farmer and buried a week before Christmas. But the news of his death somehow had not reached Godrun. On Christmas Eve, as per their arrangement, the deacon arrived at her farm. She had barely finished dressing and only had time to put on one sleeve of her coat before they were off on their journey. As they rode, his face was hidden by a hat and a scarf. But when they came to the river, the horse tripped and Deacon's hat fell forward. Godron saw his terrible head injury. As the moon shined upon them, he said, The moon fades, death rides. Don't you see a white spot on the back of my head, Goran? Goran? She replied, I see what is. After that, they did not speak a word until they came to the deacon's farm, Merka. When they got off the horse, the deacon spoke again. Wait here, Goran. Goran. While I move the horse. Horse. Over the fence. Fence. When Gudrun noticed an open grave in the graveyard, she felt Deacon trying to pull her into it. By luck, she was only wearing one sleeve of her coat. And when the Deacon pulled on her empty sleeve, she was able to break free and run away. As the Deacon disappeared into the grave and the grave filled up, she realized that the Deacon was dead and she had encountered his ghost. Gudrun was haunted by Deacon's ghost throughout the night the disturbance causing others residing on the farm to lose sleep. An exorcist was summoned who finally put the deacon's ghost to rest. The End Before we discuss, please note that the important lesson from the story is that one can get out of a situation or relationship when it turns toxic or harms them. And our discussion will have themes around domestic violence which can be a difficult topic for some people. And if you are not comfortable listening, thank you for tuning in for the story. Please take care of yourself. So before we get into the nitty gritty, Rosalba, what are your thoughts on the story? What did you like or dislike about the story? I thought the story was very well written. I love the background of them having a relationship, you know, like any other relationship goes. You make plans for holidays, you know, you visit each other. There's an agreement because in the reality of domestic violence and when we get into the topic of the cycle of violence, not every domestic violence relationship starts with violence. It starts very happy. It starts with the honeymoon phase where each, each partner is 
equal and they're making decisions together and they're integrating their lives so much more. So I love the beginning because it really shows what a relationship is, right? A healthy relationship is meeting, making decisions together and making agreements, you know, for holidays and other important decisions. The other thing that really stood out to me was the fact that he came back as a ghost and is still haunting her or taunting her even after he dies. I think that really shows that even though victims of domestic violence have left the relationship, you know, they're no longer in an intimate partner relationship with that person. They're still living with that quote unquote ghost, you know, mm -hmm. taunting them. Um, we've seen so many clients who have not been in that abusive relationship for years, but they're still being harassed, they're still being stalked, they're still being pursued, they're still being emotionally abusive because maybe perhaps there's children in between. And so I think this story really did a good job of showing the before, the during, and the after of domestic violence and what happens truly in an abusive relationship. I totally agree. And the story does a good job at keeping things concise and interesting. Obviously, it is a ghost story setting, but it has romance and love involved. And I feel there is a possibility that people might empathize with Deacon's love, passion, and desire to be together forever. And extrapolating it to the real world, the forever together is romanticized so much that people can misunderstand or misinterpret jealousy and control for love and passion. A hundred percent. And I can speak to this from a person that I know that one of the tactics that their partner uh, repeatedly would do would say I'm doing this because I love you mm -hmm. I'm hurting you because I love you I'm not letting you get out of this relationship because I love you um, and that is the mentality that the story kind of depicts is like you said being together forever but at the end of the day, each person has their own opinion and their own right to live a happy and fulfilled life. And if they're no longer happy in a relationship, they should have the right to end that relationship and move on. Uh, unfortunately, when there's domestic violence in place, that's not what happens at all. And DV is just a very nasty way to really hurt and damage somebody. I mean, we've seen relationships who have been dealing with CV for years, you know, 15 plus years. And sometimes they're able to officially be closing that chapter, but other times, you know, when there's other factors in play, that abuse continues to happen. Right. So to understand domestic violence or DV, it's important to know what it is and how it is defined. Can you please elaborate on the definition and types of abuse which come under DV? So the actual definition from the Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the National Coalition, is domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and other abusive behaviors that are all part of a systemic 
pattern of power and control, um, which is perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. We here at A Safe Place always want individuals to know that domestic violence equals power and control. When there is questions of, you know, am I in a relationship that's abusive? Am I in a relationship that's too controlling? Am I in a relationship that I'm unhappy, but it's just because of other factors? Um, we like to do like a small questionnaire. Uh, we actually do it in our 40 hour training um, just to get kind of like those thoughts out because what you may think is innocent um, behavior could actually be abusive. So when we think about that power and control, it, is, it includes physical, sexual, psychological, and emotional abuse, as well as financial abuse. So we have our, our power and control wheel, um, which basically breaks down emotional abuse, sexual abuse, economic abuse, physical violence, emotional and, and psychological violence. Um, and I would say that domestic violence, in my own words, is that ultimate power and control from one person to another. You know, that, that person that chooses to control who you talk to, what you wear, whether you're allowed to have a job, um, the person can exploit your, your family and your other relationships. They just ultimately want to have that dominance over you. So it's about the power dynamics in a relationship where one person feels they have the right to control other person's actions, behavior, and feelings. And it's important to note that it's not one-off thing, but rather a pattern. Absolutely. I mean, what turns into one simple argument where there's insults and criticism thrown out into the conversation grows into physical violence, intimidation, manipulation. It is a really a snowball effect. You know, what starts as something very simple starts growing and growing and growing and growing until there's an explosion. Um, and with the cycle of violence, which is why I mentioned that I like that the story starts with the honeymoon phase where everything seems perfect, right? Everything seems like it's supposed to go the way it's supposed to go. But as a relationship and two partners begin to integrate their lives, they begin to share so much more of their lives, holidays, making big decisions together, that tension is naturally going to grow. And as that tension begins to build, you know, the victim tries to control the situation so that they avoid violence, so that they don't cause the, the abusive partner to react and have an explosion. So it's almost like the victim is walking on eggshells. This is actually considered the longest phase in the cycle of violence because, again, the victim is trying very hard not to escalate things because they know how things might end, whether that's physical, sexual, emotional, verbal, or financial abuse. And what we see so many times is in the cycle of violence, once that tension has gone to the explosion phase, the victim will either 
act like it didn't happen. You know, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong. You know, like Godron, she went with Deacon yeah. because she trusted him, right? She she was like, oh, this is what we had planned. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that uh, when that victim goes along with that violence, the person who chooses to abuse is saying, okay, they accepted it. They have seen that it's my reaction to an argument or to the tension and it's okay on the side of the abuser we'll see maybe they'll maybe they're apologetic maybe they'll say sorry you know maybe they'll say things along the lines of it wasn't me i don't know what happened this is the first time it's not going to happen again or the abuser might choose to victim blame right this was your fault you caused me to act this way you wouldn't shut up so i had to do what i had to do so that you would calm down and slowly with time often this this honeymoon phase again begins to fade away because again that tension that tension is growing and what really is fueling the cycle of violence is denial so denial from the person who chooses to abuse saying things of you didn't remember this right you don't even know what was going on you have no idea what you're talking about or you're crazy i don't even know what you're talking about which we go into that gaslighting which is a new phrase that i've been hearing everywhere um, which if most people don't know gaslighting is when somebody makes you feel like your truth is not the truth so for example you know that you wore a red shirt yesterday, but somebody's telling you, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not the truth. And from that gaslighting, the victim in the denial mode begins to believe, okay, maybe it didn't happen. Maybe I didn't wear a red shirt. Maybe I wore a blue shirt and I'm just remembering it wrong. And denial also is perpetrated from society, right? Because when we think about relationships, that are abusive or domestic violence, we think that doesn't happen in my community. This isn't happening to my neighbor. Why would somebody wanna be in a relationship like this? Why would somebody wanna endure pain, violence, and maltreatment? And the word why in and in itself has a very negative connotation attached to it. It's a very judgmental word asking why are you with them why are you dealing with this mm -hmm. so as society we need to be better at lending an ear being non-judgmental and educating ourselves on what is domestic violence and how we can help yes that why why didn't you leave why did you stay why didn't you seek help it's victim blaming putting the onus on the victim i think society does that a lot not just in the case of DV, but other things too, like why were you out so late? Why were you in that neighborhood? Which is one of the reasons why some victims are reluctant to come forward. And subconsciously, maybe they blame themselves too, because they have been groomed in that way. So going back to the two points which you mentioned and relating them to the story. So when Deacon rushes Gudrun that she doesn't even get to dress completely, is that power and control one person has over the other. And when she realizes something is wrong, she's quiet, doesn't say anything, because she knows that if she does question, it can be a dangerous situation for her. 
And that is the phase of denial or victim walking on eggshells, trying to not trigger a reaction. So it's super important to recognize signs of toxic or abusive relationship because initially it starts as a usual relationship with love and affection for each other. But over time, things change. But that feeling of love and affection can not only be used by the abuser to justify their behavior, but also by the victim to justify this abusive behavior that is happening to them. And that's why it's so difficult sometimes for people to understand that they are in an abusive relationship because like in the the story, it's disguised, right? It's not like, hey, it's written on my forehead. I am in a person who chooses to abuse, but more it's that hearts and flowers. It's that charming personality that really sweeps people off their feet. And like you said, it's coming from both sides, right? Mm-hmm. It's both from both partners. There's love and there's connection. And an abusive relationship might not be 100% abusive all the time. There would be an abusive period and then the period of apology and making up and then again abusive period. It's a cycle, but because of those nice periods in between, it can be harder for the victims to leave because of the reinforcement of that emotional bond or dependency again and again. Yeah, and the cycle can, like you said, it can be a couple days, it can be a couple weeks, it can be a couple years Mm -hmm. where, you know, one year you guys are great, nothing has happened, but then the next year it's every other month you're having an incident. Um, And regardless of that timeline, abuse is abuse. And the moment that that explosion happens and that rage or violence occurs, You need to find refuge. You need to find your support system to get out of that relationship. Mm -hmm. So if someone is questioning the relationship, what are the signs they should look for to establish they are in an abusive relationship? So we kind of call them red flags Mm -hmm. um, and they can vary. So there are some red flags where you clearly see that they have violence towards others or other things. Um, Maybe you see them get very, like we talked about the jealousy, extreme jealousy of your friends, of your kids, of your family, of your job. Um, One that we see often is isolation, which is in the case of where they don't allow you to see your family or friends. Um, They need to know your whereabouts constantly, expects partner to spend all their time, their free time together. Um, When we talk about, you know, how do I know if I'm in a relationship that's abusive or if I have a friend who might be in an abusive relationship, isolation. Look for that isolation. If somebody is always wanting you to be next to them or to not hang out with your family or friends, to no longer text or call you know, your close friends that you used to see all of the time or talk to all of the time, that is a major red flag. Um, another red flag could be a dual personality, kind of that Jekyll and Hyde um, thing going on where in person or in public, they're very happy, they're friendly, but at home, they're violent, they're aggressive, they're very um, agitated and irritated. Um, whenever they are angry, they resort to violence, um, insists on handling all money, uh, including yours. 
uh, doesn't allow you to have a job or to have hobbies or to go to school um, and criticizes you often. You know, your appearance, your weight, your clothes. Another major one is when somebody blames you for all of their problems. I lost my job because of you. I didn't get to go to this game because you didn't let me or you you were working late so I couldn't go. Um, and they're afraid. They're afraid of what you might do if you end the relationship um, ultimately. And another red flag that isn't so clear to see but perhaps you've talked to the partner about it is if they've witnessed abuse or were abused as a child. Um, seeing that or having being the victim of that is a traumatic experience to go through and sometimes individuals don't fully heal from that don't get to transform their lives from that so they choose to abuse because that's what they've seen and that's what, what they think is how you handle situations in the house right I think while talking about science you also covered the barriers victims face you know the big question of why didn't you leave? It could be the financial barrier. You don't have access to financial support or emotional support because you've been isolated from your family and friends or cohabitation. Like where would you go if you leave? Maybe emotional blackmail or abuser might threaten to harm themselves or others. There can be so many whys because no one wants to live in that situation. Yeah. So there's definitely intersectionality with certain groups of people having more percentage cases of DV, like women, women of color, people from the LGBTQ community, people with disability. But DV can happen to anyone. The statistic I saw on your website says that one in seven men is a victim of DV, which is a big number. So it's very important to not question or shame or blame the victims, like you're a man, why are you taking this? Or you have a job, you are rich or upper middle class with access to resources. Why are you taking this? Absolutely. And I think it's important to know that it's almost always the groups that we don't think would be scrutinized by domestic violence that are coming forward. So currently in our program, in our, our agency, we have... 20% uh, of our clients are men, you know, fleeing an abusive relationship. And when we think about, you know, more men coming forward, more men reporting, that number that you just read, the one in seven, was actually lo lower. And it's gotten higher because more men are coming forward to report that they're in an abusive relationship. At the same time, you know, we have a higher rate of stigma towards men who are coming forward and saying that, hey, I am in a relationship that's abusive. And what we've seen at a safe place is men are more likely to be emotionally and verbal abuse compared to physical. Um, which when I go out and talk to my high school students and, you know, we talk about how men are victim of DV as well. Sometimes they ask me questions about along the lines of, well, how can they be abused if, you know, they're usually bigger, they're taller, they're stronger, whatever the case may be. Um, but I always say we fail to remember sometimes that domestic violence isn't solely physical violence. 
it's emotional abuse. It's somebody who is insulting you, criticizing you, controlling your whereabouts, blaming you for everything, intimidation, stalking, uh, cyber stalking, which is uh, something that's actually on the rise also. But men are can be victims of domestic violence. And it's important that we, when they do come forward, that we treat them the same exact way and we provide the same exact services for them. So men in our agency can get emergency shelter, counseling, housing, legal advocacy, and all the other programs that we offer. So stigma and fear of ridicule can be another barrier. Sorry. That shame, right? Mm -hmm. Like that shame of hearing, but you're a guy. How right. can you let a woman or your partner treat you that way? Mm -hmm. It's that shame of, wait, but you guys were the picture perfect fa family at all the holiday parties, at all the school outings, and you guys have been dealing with this for how many years? When you have been that perfect couple in the eyes of all of your family and friends, and you finally come forward and say, I was in an abusive relationship, that to me takes a lot of courage because you're gonna get a lot of backlash, unfortunately. Right. And you're gonna get a lot of people who say, I don't believe it, or I never saw it, so I need to see something to actually believe you. Right. And we get into, again, that victim blaming and mm -hmm. saying, well, we didn't see anything happen to you. There's a really good show on Netflix. I'm sure many people have heard of it. It's called Made. And she specifically deals with emotional abuse. And one of the very first scenes of the show when she's trying to um, get shelter because she does become homeless, she herself doesn't even realize that she was emotionally abused until she finally gets into a domestic violence shelter and they talk to her about all of the things that might have happened to her. And she's just checking off everything on the list. From intimidation, manipulation, she had no access to accounts, she had no car, she wasn't allowed to work. And so you begin to realize that emotional abuse is domestic violence. And nobody should be controlling you to the point where you don't even have access to your own ID or social security card or your own personal items because that person has control of all of that. Yeah, and when she tells people close to her, she's dismissed that he's a nice guy and it's fine. And more often than not, if a victim decides to tell someone that they're being abused, it would be to a friend and not someone in law enforcement. And if their friend is like, oh no, they can never do that, or uh, they are such a nice person, it decreases the likelihood that the victim will report it because they weren't believed or they were doubted. So now they doubt themselves. So obviously believe if someone is coming forward with their situation. But what do you think one can do to help either themselves if they believe they are victim of DV or someone who confided in them as a victim of DV? The number one would be to educate yourself learn about what is domestic violence. Even if you do a simple Google or take a simple training at an agency, learning about what is domestic violence. Most people, like we said and talked about before, is 
only think that it's physical violence, but it entails so much more. Emotional, verbal, psychological abuse are real and they are very damaging. So learning what is DV, identifying those red flags, whether it's you or whether it's a friend that's in a relationship and learn about what are the services that are in your agency. It does not hurt to do a simple Google search and see that there's a, a DV nonprofit agency in your area to learn what are the services that they offer one, how you can help because they'll have a better understanding than you might have and what to do next. Um, another thing to do when somebody comes to you is just lend a sympathetic ear. If, if they're not ready to go to a domestic violence shelter or to seek help, just listen to them. Just helping, helping them to get that load off so that they feel like they don't have that carrying on their shoulders. But also encouraging them that, they're, that you are available to help them or that there are services available to be able to help them. And that includes being non-judgmental, right? Not asking words with, why are you with them? Why are you going through all of this? Instead saying, what can I do to help you? What is causing you from not leaving that relationship? And guide them to the closest community services. So whether that's guiding them through, here's the phone number, here's the address, call them. What time do you want to go? I will take you or helping them dial 911 when it is most needed. Those are just simple steps that individuals can take, whether it's themselves or whether it's a family member, friend who's dealing with a DV situation that I would suggest. And apart from recognizing those signs in your relationship, recognizing them in relationships shown in media, TV shows, and movies, and not normalizing them or glorifying them or idealizing them as passionate love. Absolutely. And making sure that you at least have one person that you know you can go to. Because when you're in a DV relationship, like we talked about, that isolation piece can be very much in place. But making sure that you have somebody where you can go to. And if you don't, then look for, call 911. We do, we work closely with the police department, the hospitals, to make sure that if there is somebody going in with an injury at the hospital, they're calling us first. If there is somebody who is at the hospital with an injury, making sure that nursing staff and medical staff are trained with, how did this happen? If there's somebody in the room with you, can we please ask you to step out of the, the room so we can examine her and asking those questions. Are you okay? How did this happen? If you're calling police, which most of the time they are the first ones on the scene, making sure that they're trained so that they know how to interact with somebody who's in a DV um, situation or relationship. Um, when we think about, and I'm just going to mention this very quickly, but when we think about domestic violence related to medical, the medical field, over five point eight billion dollars are spent each year on health related costs of DV and when we think about police 33% of the time police are responding to domestic disturbance calls and 
majority of that time, they're going to the same homes. Mm. Because again, we talk about that cycle of violence right. where it happens and happens. Wow. So we have to be proactive also with our medical staff, with our law enforcement, with our first responders, with our teachers, with our social workers to make sure that they know to identify these red flags and, and prevent somebody from getting into a relationship that might be abusive or helping them get out. Just goes to show how prevalent and common this is. So please seek help, be it from a personal contact or from a professional agency. Bringing it back to the story, Gudrun escaped the situation and then seeked help from an exorcist to get out of the situation completely and forever. Which is great. And there are agencies specifically helping DV victims. Our agency is available 24-7. Our 24-hour crisis line phone number is 847 249 Four four five zero. Somebody will be answering that phone every single day, all hours of the day. Please do not hesitate to call. We have translation services available for anybody, and we're here to help. Yes, and I want to thank you for coming on the show, sharing all this information, which is useful for someone who is experiencing or going through DV or even if someone is not in a DV situation, can still find educational. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having a safe place. And if anybody, like I said, is ever questioning or feels like they're in an uncomfortable situation with their partner, please don't hesitate to call our phone number. And on that note, be safe out there and bye for now. Bye-bye. Let me know your thoughts on the story and our discussion by emailing me on woketalespodcast at gmail.com or through social media at woketalespodcast on Instagram and woketalespod on Twitter. And please rate, review and like woketalespodcast and don't forget to subscribe so you can easily access our weekly stories. If you have any story recommendations or if you want to come dissect and analyze a story with me, give me a shout out on email or social media. Because whatever you do, keep dissecting and keep analyzing.